The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome. You've entered the realm of 1111 Talk Radio. Your host is Simran Singh. It's time to discover your own language with the universe. Learn to empower yourself, broaden your mind, open your heart, and discover who you are. Now, here's your host, Simran Singh. Rumi says, yesterday I was clever, so I wanted to change the world. Today I am wise, so I'm changing myself. Your self-identity is created in your first seven years of life, and this identity creates unique filters based on the emotional traumas you've experienced and the subsequent belief systems or thought patterns that arise from these wounds. These filters make us see the evidence that makes our belief appear true, distorting our experience and any and all events to validate this experience. This actually stops your ability to perceive truth in the present moment to respond in love or even conscious choice. Your belief systems are simply effects of deeper emotional wounds, and both the wound and belief system become the reality you experience and the situations, people, and relationships you attract. All of this is grounded in love. The question is, how do you see love? What is love and what is not? Why is love the most misused word on this planet? And is love meant to hurt? Or is there a map to love that you can follow? Well, this is all from the book Dimensions of Love from Padma Aeon. And he is really an inspiring, moving breath of fresh air. Padma Aeon has been teaching worldwide for the last 15 years, bringing change and timeless wisdom to tens of thousands of souls. Padma is a lover of God and a potent evolutionary catalyst, bringing together ancient and modern, esoteric and practical to help create change for those who truly desire it. His previous books include The Power of Shakti, Womb Wisdom, and the much-loved The Christ Blueprint. In addition, Nine Eyes of Light, Ascension Keys from Egypt. And what we're discussing today is Dimensions of Love, Seven Steps to God. Without further ado, welcome Padma Aon to 1111 Talk Radio. Thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, I'm thrilled to discuss this because I think there's some points in here that a lot of people have never considered. And I'd like to start off with the misuse of the word love, because I don't think people fully understand that when someone says, I love you, it can mean a lot of different things to those individuals that they have not been taught what true love is. Exactly, yes. Um, when we say I love you, it's very often we're actually looking for something back from the other person. And very often we're actually looking to avoid feeling certain emotions within us. So, for example, um, you could be saying I love you to someone because you actually need them. And this is a very common illusion because people think that needing someone 
love. And actually what it is is covering up a deeper series or set of emotions within our own self. We're reaching out to someone else to fill up the hole within ourselves that we don't actually want to feel because it's too painful or it's too traumatic or it's too uh, jarring to us to actually accept that there is a hole within us and that hole is clean. And this is a human condition because we will do anything at all in any dimension to stop us from actually feeling pain. Um, so most of our strategies or ways of moving around life, particularly in intimate relationships, are designed to actually for us to actually avoid feeling the pain that lies underneath the idea of love. It can be actually more appropriate to say, instead of saying, I love you, or I need you, you can say, I sad you, or I grief you, or I pain you. That would actually be more honest, because then you're actually feeling inside yourself what is making you say these things when a lot of the time you may not actually mean it. You may just be using the other person and manipulating their emotions in order to fill your own emotions up and to make you feel better. And it's quite common for people you know, to say, I love you, to make themselves feel better about something bad that's happened in their life or something that bad that's happened that day. So they've had a bad day and they say to their partner or their child or their dog or their friend, oh, I love you. And it makes you feel better in that moment. But in that moment, in that moment also, perhaps you're also, you know, trying to avoid feeling deeper into, you know, the bad, the so-called bad thing that has happened to you that day. So, Padma, in the book, you actually list a lot of statements, and they're quite profound. They can be anything from, I love you because I'm too scared to be myself and step out into the world alone, or I need to do something to deserve love, or I love you because society demands that I should, and it's the right thing to do. I love you because I don't want to feel heavy, or I don't want to feel lonely, or I love you so I can stay in control. I love you so I don't have to feel angry. When I read a lot of these statements, it really appears to me that we would have to be radically honest with ourselves as to why we're engaged with someone in what we call love. Can you talk about how to get to a place to truly see ourselves that honestly, to get to the core of what that real feeling is, especially in the Western world? When so many people are numb to what they feel and they may not even tap into I sad you or I lonely you or I guilt you instead of I love you. Right, yeah, this is a this is probably the biggest issue on the planet. To get that honest, to get that in touch with your emotions and feelings that allow you to actually be authentic with yourself. And it's only from that basis that one can actually love somebody else or something else. So when we say, you know, I love you because I am deeply lonely and you make it better, for example, or I love you because you make me feel safe, these are perhaps two of the most common underlying reasons for why we say we love another person or why we think rather than feel that love is actually a commodity to be bartered and exchanged for. So... The first step really is to look at what I call your woundship rather than your friendship or relationship. Because if you're being honest with yourself, you can look at the relationships that you have, your closer relationships, 
and you will start to see a pattern emerge in all your relationships. You'll start to see that your friend and your, your, your intimate partner, let's say, and your parents and your children, you will all share the same wound. And that wound may be loneliness, it may be betrayal, it may be lack of trust, it may be denial, it may be a lack of embrace in your life, it may be um, some kind of separation that you've experienced, some kind of trauma, some kind of abuse, some kind of way of compensating for not wanting to feel a deeper emotion. So this is kind of a thing that you can start to in, even intellectually look at in your relationships. You can start to see a pattern emerging. And once you kind of intellectually um, cognize this or recognize this, then you can start to look into the emotions that are driving the thoughts. And this is an important point because a lot of people think, well, if you change your thoughts, you change your reality. If you change your thoughts, you change the surface of reality. You don't change the actual reality because emotions come first and thoughts come second. Any real deep transformational work will focus on the emotions which feed into the feelings rather than just the thoughts, which are an effect of the emotions. But in this case, if we're looking at, you know, um, coming into this 101, let's say, like the first steps that we can take to intellectually recognize, you know, what is happening and why we have certain pulls or certain magnetic charges or magnetic attractions or resonances with certain people in our life. And then explore that and see, you know, why am I attracted to this person? Okay, they're beautiful and they're intelligent and they're spiritual and, you know, oh, they're, they're confident and whatnot. And you can make a list of that. But then you can look into, oh, I'm actually resonating to this person for good, for positive and negative reasons. And that's why there's a strong charge there. But let me look into the patterns of the negative reasons. Okay. So when I was four, I had, you know, a traumatic separation from my mother. And that really made me feel deeply lonely um, for the rest of my life. And then when I was 30 or when I was 40, I got together with a man or a woman who had the same thing. And we made each other feel better. And in that making each other feel better, you can actually explore and go into that real trauma, that emotional trauma that has impacted your soul when, when you were four years old. And then Let me you interrupt can start you right to unravel there. and heal that. Let me interrupt you right there, sure. Padma, because you've said so much, and I want to make sure that the audience really gets it, because I do agree with you. In, in the motivational, inspirational field, I think that so much of it has been talked about at a surface level that many people think I need to stay positive. I don't want to talk about things in a negative way. So when you bring up the word woundship instead of friendship, this is really a way for us to be aware of what is truly going on in our life. If we focus on the woundship, we're not going to create more of it if we're allowing ourselves to tap into the feelings we are simply going to then be able to truly see where the relationship is and then shift it fully. Is that what you're saying? Exactly. Exactly. That's the first step. And then the second step is having the courage and the desire to actually dive into that series of negative emotions and fully experience them. Allow yourself to fully experience them and then fully release them in a non-harmful way to another person. 
but to fully experience and release it. Get it out of your system. Get it out of your soul. And everyone is, many people in the New Age movement in the West are particularly enamored of saying, yes, we have to stay loving, we have to stay light. But unfortunately, that's not the reality of the case. That is the goal and the end of the path. And during the process of the pathway, there is going to be many things that arise. And if we further repress them, we're actually repressing our souls and we're repressing our ability to actually give and receive true unconditional love, which has no agenda to it and has no need to it because all wombships are based on needs. I need something from you. And as soon as I need something from you, there cannot be love there because there's a condition and agenda and a whole series of emotions to it. It's not just a thought. If I say I need something from someone, there's going to be four or five different emotions running underneath that belief and that agenda that I'm putting out towards the other person. So there's a great deal of investigation and feeling to be had there in order to come into an unconditional place with someone. And that unconditional place is where you can truly speak the truth to someone without any need of approval or admiration or respect or acceptance from the other person. Powerful information from Padma Aeon. Our yearning for romantic love hints at our eternal yearning and romance for the beloved God and then our soulmate, our soulmate being a combination of the feelings of romantic human love and aspiration for divine love. Our partners that come before our soulmate are means of healing ourselves emotionally and sexually and coming into closer connection with our soul. This is from the book Dimensions of Love, Seven Steps to God by Padma Aeon. Dimensions of Love, Seven Steps to God contains new, interesting, and sometimes radical truths for the soul in the beautiful, simple, and profound book. Soulful and insightful, it contains a message that cannot be missed. You can find out more about Padma Aeon at PadmaAeon.com. That's P-A-D-M-A-A-O-N, P-A-D-M-A-A-O-N.com. We'll be right back with Padma Aeon. Visionary. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444. People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today, www.1111mag.com. 1111 Magazine is a bi-monthly print publication that offers a rich, multi-sensory experience. As you engage with experts and topics of consciousness, become enlightened, empowered, and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, discovering the heart, and stepping into conscious living. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. You 
listening to 1111 Talk Radio. If you'd like to join today's discussion, please call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5795. Again, 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email to info at believesc.com. Now back to 1111 Talk Radio with Simran Singh. Before I get back to my wonderful guest, Padma Aeon, and his book, Dimensions of Love, I definitely want to let you know that the Rebel Road Tour is off and going. We have gone through so many states and several cities in Canada, and our next stop is actually going to be Birmingham, Alabama, on November 24th, as we make it through down through the southeast and then across the west coast, uh, southwest, all the way back up the north uh the western northern part of the country. So keep following us along as this Rebel Road Tour continues through July of 2014. You can find out more at therebelroad.com. One of the greatest goods we can do for others is not to share our riches with them, but to reveal to them their own. Although the act of charity begins and brings great benefit to others, the greatest benefits of all is to show another person their own greatness. What would it be like for me to see the greatness in another person, to see the greatness in everyone I meet, and to express that to them. This is part of the way that we move into one of the dimensions of love. And I'm talking to Padma Aeon today. He is the author of several books, and he truly brings about an inspiring, moving breath of fresh air. The pathway to God's divine love, the simplest pathway on earth, has been obscured by our own forgetting of who God is. Dimensions of Love, Seven Steps to God, contains new and sometimes radical truths for the soul, but it's a very simple, poignant, and profound writing. I definitely urge you to connect with him at PadmaAon.com. He is the founding director of the Soul Center in Provence, France, and has been teaching worldwide for the last 15 years, bringing change and timeless wisdom to tens of thousands of people across the globe. Welcome back, Padma. I want to go a little bit back into what you were talking about. As we move into a relationship and we start to really look at that wound instead, so often people feel like if, if that's the basis of this relationship right now and what I have magnetized to myself, then perhaps I need to let go of this relationship and move on so that once I do my work, I actually attract someone else. Is that what typically happens, that we would attract then someone else, or or would it would it be that we would stay in the relationship, but the work that we would do would allow us to love that person in the way that we need to love? It can work both of those ways. It depends on the depth of the woundship that is being experienced between the two and the humility um, of each person and self-responsibility. Because very often in relationships, um, people make uh, their own problems to be about the other person. And unless you're humble and self-responsible and willing to really feel that everything that's happening in this relationship is showing me something about myself, and that's something in my emotional and feeling state that needs to be released in order for me to grow into more love and truth, if that is there between both people, then there can be a magnificent relationship and they can both grow together and, and keep on expanding in love. However, that's quite often not the case because um, one person usually wants to evolve in a relationship and the other person is not so interested in doing so. Um, So in that case, yes, the relationship will at some point inevitably split 
and the person who is growing will then attract someone else who is more conscious, more humble, and more willing to be with themselves. And I often feel that, um, you know, the more alone we can be within ourselves, the more together we can be with another person. When you say the more alone we can be within ourselves, that also constitutes self-love. So the degree to which we grow self-love, will that be the degree to which we attract the other person? Um, up, up to a certain point in evolution, that would be true. And then after a point, that would not be true. <laughs> because um, as we evolve, that becomes less and less of a personal self and more and more of an unconditional love being extended towards yourself and therefore by extension to everyone else. So at a certain point in evolution, a person will be looking for someone who has that quality of unconditional loving and that ability to be able to love and speak the truth to everyone, not just themselves or their close family or friends, but to anyone and everyone. So yes, so there'll be two distinct um, steps in evolution depending on how unconditional you are, which also depends on how alone you can be within yourself, as in how how contained you can be within yourself or how happy and loving you can just be by being with yourself. So if an individual has been through a relationship or a wombship and the relationship has reached a point where it needed to dissolve, is there a certain formula or set of time or a certain level of work that an individual needs to do in their aloneness before they truly engage with another? Or is the process of love uh, expedited through other people? I think that really depends on the, on the individual soul because we're all unique and both those pathways can work. So, for example, if we're in a relationship, it can bring up things that would not come up if we were alone. Um, and then sometimes when we're alone, we can actually dive more deeper into certain issues and emotions and feelings and beliefs rather than being with someone else, in which case it could be a distraction. So either one can work at different times in your evolution. And I think one of the keys is, is that when we are with someone and there's a lot of emotions and dramas and and different things arising, then that's good fuel for the machine. You know, it's good fuel for, for our growth because then we, if we're humble, we can really get to the causes of some really deep things in our souls. Um, if we're in a relationship and neither, neither person is particularly um, highly evolved and not a lot is happening emotionally, then you know that there's a lot of masking or staying on the surface or staying in certain belief systems or... Um, patterns that prevent you from actually getting into the deeper and perhaps more shadow parts of yourself, which are very necessary in order to grow into a true and unconditioned love. So those would be two basic things that could point out. And also, you know, every person is unique and every relating is unique. And with the magnetism or the charge between two people, many people mistake that to be love. And actually, it's just um, two sets of emotional traumas butting against each other. Or some people can call that karma or karmic charge that you have um, between two people. So 
as you begin the book, you talk about, and there's a charting of five forms of love. Will you talk about these different five forms, and are they a progression, or do they weave in and out in different ways throughout our life? Um, yeah, the five forms of love all come back down to the very basis of it all, and that is God. So God created our souls in pure love, and from this pure love, we have created um, our own ideas or versions of it, and most of which are not very loving. <laughs> um, so that's the, the ultimate love, and that's a love that we can receive each and every day simply by asking God to receive her divine love. Then, of course, feeling our love for God, who created our souls and only wants the very best for us. So God only desires love for us. And unfortunately, we have created our own barriers and our own errors and our own misperceptions and beliefs around what love is. And these errors and perceptions and beliefs actually block us from receiving this pure divine love that God is so willing to give us. And as Christ said, ask and you shall receive. And it's as simple as that. It comes from sincere desire in your heart. Then you will start to receive the joy and the love and the celebration and the wonder of God's love. Um, and as I said, it's only us that blocks that out because of our beliefs and because we think God is bad or God is, has been painted very negatively in the West, but in the East, it's a totally different proposition. God is accepted from a very early age, and God is seen to be all auspicious and all loving and all giving and all benevolent. There is nothing negative in God as seen in the East, but because of the um, abuses of the Church and, and various other factors in the West, God is seen as vengeful and dark and perhaps not as loving as He actually is. So that's the first form of love from which all other forms of love come from. And if we truly start to receive and deepen into this love, everything in our life can start to be healed, and all the other forms of love will reach their perfect divine design. And of course, you know, part of that perfect design design is a divine design, sorry, is being able to love everyone around us, which is a natural love. So the love that you feel for your family, your friends, nature, animals, we just feel this love welling up from inside us and coming out. And we say, in a joyful, free, open way, I love you, or I love my dog, or I love this sunset, or I love you, my friend, or I just love you. And you just feel that joy and spontaneity, and that's our natural love. That's the love that we have within us. And that love reaches its perfection, it reaches its climax. Um, when we are actually receiving uh, the divine love, which is different to the natural love. So the more, it all comes back down to what is the cause of love. Like, where does love come from? Love comes from the soul. But who created the soul? I didn't create my soul. I don't remember doing that. And I can't say I'm God because I don't remember creating you or the world or the universe or the stars I know I didn't do that because it's way beyond me and way beyond anything I could even conceptualize or imagine because it's so magnificent and wondrous and awesome that only a supreme intelligence and incredible love could create that. So in order to ground these forms of love, we have to have our self-love. 
which is the third form of love. So we have to be able to honor and value and respect ourselves. And in doing so, we actually become a lot more humble because we start to see what we're attracting into our lives as part of our own condition, part of our own soul condition. So the more that we can accept that perhaps the darkness or the sadness or the anger that we perhaps experience one day in one week is actually showing us something about ourselves and is there to show us where we are still in a mistaken perception or perhaps where deep emotions within us still lie that we're not aware of that need to come out and need to be expressed and released like the anger or the grief or the sadness that we hold within us are still there. No matter what we've done, there's, there can be more and there usually is more. So that's also self-love too, is giving yourself that permission, giving yourself that time and that space to be able to feel that and allow yourself to feel it and allow yourself to release it so it's gone from you forever. And the more that we can love ourselves like that and stay out of, um, you know, woundships or toxic relationships or stay out of a job we don't want to do or a place we don't want to live or a friendship we don't really want to have because it's not so good for us. The more we do those things, the more we are valuing and honoring and loving ourselves. And the more that we do that, the more that... Sorry. I'm going to stop you right there because we have to take a commercial break and then we will continue that and go on to the other forms. Because of the intensity of the pleasure and the pains involved in meeting and being with your soulmate, the wisest thing to do is to prepare, fully feel, and release the wounds of all previous intimate relations and do as much soul healing as possible before even calling in your soulmate. Ask to feel the times you did not love yourself, the times you projected mother and father wounds onto others, all the times you felt and received emotional pain and did not express or release it, all the times you allowed yourself to be used or abused because you did not love yourself or allow yourself to feel your own pain, all the times you felt betrayed and abandoned, or all the times you felt judged and separated from, not just in intimate relations, but for all the instances that this has occurred in your soul. This is from Dimensions of Love, Seven Steps to God by Padma Aeon. You can find out more at PadmaAeon.com. We'll be right back with Padma. Invite meaning and inspiration to your life. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444. People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today, www.1111mag.com. 1111 Magazine is a bi-monthly print publication that offers a rich, multi-sensory experience. As you engage with experts and topics of consciousness, become enlightened, empowered, and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, discovering the heart, and stepping into conscious living. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. 
This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. listening to 1111 Talk Radio. If you'd like to join today's discussion, please call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5795. Again, 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email to info at believesc.com. Now back to 1111 Talk Radio with Simran Singh. I definitely want you to access the 1111 magazine. It is freely gifted to humanity, and there are always amazing articles that are featured. You can see a beautiful article presented on Padma Aeon in the current issue, so definitely take a look at that along with many other beautiful writers and contributors from around the world. So definitely allow yourself to experience that gift and take from it whatever supports you in your own experience. My guest today is Padma Aeon, and he is the the writer of Dimensions of Love, Seven Steps to God. He's also written several other books, The Power of Shakti, Womb Wisdom, and The Christ Blueprint. So you can definitely look up more of that at PadmaAeon.com. We've been speaking about the five forms of love, love for God and receiving God's divine love, love for our soulmate and receiving our soulmate's love, self-love, loving our own soul and as God loves it, Natural love, which is loving others and receiving other humans' love for us. And love for our friends of the heart and receiving their love. We've gone through three of these, and I just, Padma, would like you to finish up what you were saying about self-love and then also go into the other two forms, and especially romantic love, because I think there's so many people out there that are searching for that one, probably from that place of need or wanting their lives filled up with another person. So I think that's probably a very important one to step into as well. So please talk about the rest of those. Absolutely. And the basis of it as a human being is self-love. If we don't love ourselves, we're not going to attract that special soulmate into our lives. Um, we may think that we, we have, but time will surely reveal that that's not the case. <laughs> um, but in self-love, it seems sometimes we have to take radical actions. Um, but remember that the most radical action is in loving yourself. And in loving yourself, you will be loving all others. So sometimes we can do an action that we know is loving to ourselves, but then we think, oh, what's the other person going to think about this, or they're going to be hurt by this, or they're not going to like me for doing this, and so on and so forth. But in actually loving yourself in that moment, you are loving that other person, and that may not be immediately apparent, but maybe the next day or the next week, it will become really apparent that that has led to something great for everyone concerned. And so self-love, we have to have the courage to love ourselves. And in doing so, we are automatically loving others, which, of course, is what most of us want, isn't it? But we, we help to love others and help create a better world for everyone. But that can only come through a solid foundation that has self-love as one of its very core pillars. And of course, self-love then obviously leads on to us associating with people who are really good for our soul, who really support our soul, and really help us to move forward in, in a really expansive way, but also in a way that's very inclusive, that includes our light and dark sides, our shadow and our positive side as well. And so I call this um, 
fraternal love for friends of the heart, people who are on a similar path to yourself, and who unconditionally can accept you, despite their own flaws and your own flaws as well, but they can just accept you, and they can speak the truth to you. They can call you up on things that perhaps you're missing or that you don't want to reveal, and they can see that in you, and they can go, hey, you know, you're lying in this moment, or hey, I feel that you're not being true in this moment, or I feel like, you know, you didn't actually speak the truth to that other person, and you needed to speak the truth to the other person, because it's good for you, and it's good for that other person that they know the truth about something, even if it's painful, or you think it could harm the other person, or you think it may be a judgment, or something like that. But unless you, you make the effort, you're not going to really be able to um, grow. So that kind of love that true friends have, and we're very blessed if we even have a few of these friends in our lives who are truly unconditional and truly able to be very grounded with you and also very expanded as well. But in a sense that they can include every part of you and love you so much but they will point out all the things in you that are not loving and are untrue and help you to overcome those through embracing them and experiencing them in order to release them. And so these true friends of the heart, you start to develop um, a very brotherly or sisterly love for these people. And, and that becomes a basis for a really unconditional love for these people in your life. And they may even be blood family, although that's um, rarer. It usually tends to be friends that you meet in life and you have known or get to know for a very long period of time. Um, and that relationship develops in, in, the, in the spirit of truth and in the spirit of growth and in the spirit of this inclusion, this embrace of all sides of, of yourself. And this becomes you know, a lifelong friendship, a lifelong love affair that is purely platonic. And at the same time, you know, that basis becomes the basis for a romantic relationship or intimate sexual relationship as well. Because without that basis being there, the woundships that most uh, most humans are in as regards to romantic or sexual love, that kind of overtakes the true love um, that comes about through being, having a friend of the heart as your partner. And so this basis of self-love, of Paternal love of having God as a central pillar in your life, not as an add-on, but as something that's core, as something that you both refer to, that both partners refer to, something much greater than yourself. Because so often we get so narcissistic in our relationships, it becomes about me or it becomes about the other person. If you both have a much bigger reference point in a self-experience, which is God's love and light, and you start to really align yourself to that, and your problems start to really come into a true context and a true perspective. And then you don't start to make it about the other person. You start to realize it's just about you. When you realize it's about you, you become a lot more humble. And truly one of the keys for any successful deep relating is true humility. And that's um, a rare commodity in a lot of the world today because most people have a deep misunderstanding about what true humility is. And so if you're truly connecting or developing a personal, soulful relationship with God, you will very quickly understand what true humility is. 
And then you'll be able to apply that into your relationship. And your relationships will grow incredibly fast and grow incredibly deeply in love and in honesty and in authenticity because both of your reference points are situated on something much higher than your ego or your mind or your wound. They're connected to something that's pure and perfect in its love and in its light and in its truth. And from that reference point, we can truly acquire the humility that will make us have really successful relationships in all spheres of our life. And of course, you know, when it comes to the romantic relationships, you know, our deepest wounds are stirred and triggered and brought up to the surface. And sometimes that can be really chaotic and obviously can lead to a lot of divorces and breakups and so on and so forth. Um, but with Padma, let me interrupt right there. there. So it's really clearly evident to me that, or at least for my own life, the, the deepest longing I've always had has been that divine love. It has been that connection with the God source. And I've seen how everything in my life has really stemmed from that foundation to truly reach that place. It says that in your book, divine love was never given to us as a perfect and complete gift, but as a gift that is waiting for our own efforts, which means it has to be received by us, and that there's a continual asking that also has to take place because God is waiting to answer our calls. Talk a little bit about that asking and that receiving that takes place and and why it has to be a continual asking. Because we are human and God is divine. So the substance of our soul is human, whereas the substance of God's soul is divine. So the process of evolution for some people who feel a call to God is to actually transmute the substance of the human soul into the divine. And that's a journey and a process that can be relatively fast depending on the degree of holy desire you have. So, for example, if we um, keep asking for divine love, and it keeps coming into our soul, um, eventually the very fabric and substance of our human soul will start to change. It will start to lose its human quality and condition and start to become more and more divine. And so that is a process, and it doesn't happen overnight. It can happen quite fast, depending on your desire. But it's in the continual asking, which is what Yeshua, Christ Yeshua said, asking you shall receive. It's in the continual asking that piece by, by piece, bit by bit, the human mind and the human soul dissolves into something far greater, which is God. And so as we keep asking every day in deep, sincere prayer, um, I ask maybe 40, 50 times a day, if, if, if that, I mean, sometimes more. And each time I receive a huge um, amount of joy and awe and humility, sometimes celebration. I mean, divine love makes me dance. It makes me weep. It makes me jump up and down. It makes me humble myself on my knees. It makes me do all these things and countless other things I cannot even begin to describe. But it's in the continual asking that, that can happen. And of course, when, you, when you're feeling so joyful and you're feeling so humble and you're feeling so much great love coming into you, why wouldn't you keep asking for it all the time? Because it's the greatest thing in the universe. It's the greatest love in the universe. There is no greater love that we can ever experience. You know, 
we can think that with our partner, there's a great love there, and with our friends, there's a great love, and that's true. There is, There can be a great love there. You spoke to something I'd love to touch back on because I've experienced that myself, especially in really embarking on the rebel road and releasing myself into a place of freedom that I've never had. And there's a paragraph in the book that spoke so much to me, and you just spoke it again, and that is that divine love is perfect in its trust and tenderness. We become more and more like a child, innocent, joyful, playful, and beautiful as we were created to be. This play is a pure and glorious sensation, wishing to share itself freely and touching all others. And I've noticed in my own expression, in my own writings, in everything that I'm doing as I step more into this innocent, playful, joyful place, and this desire in humility to really reach out and connect to others, that that is that divine oneness and love that I feel we're all being called towards. But it seems almost as if we have to allow ourselves to also be that child. Is that the step that you took, is really stepping first into that childlike place, or did that come as a result of your continual asking? That comes more as a result, yes, because the more that we grow in divine love, the more childlike we become. And, you know, at the beginning, it can be coming from a wounded child's place, which is fine, but the divine child is completely different um, quality and feeling and substance to it. So, yes, definitely, you know, the more that the more divine love we are receiving over time, definitely the more childlike, the more spontaneous, and the much more fun we have. You know, the more divine we are, the more fun we have. Not fun, not fun in just a human sense of fun, as as the world may see it, but fun in a divine sense. You know, because God sees fun in a, in a bit different way to how humans see fun. And, and to me, fun is, is the joy that I have when I see another soul transform itself, that is great fun for me, but not in a human sense. It's in a, it's in a divine sense. I feel great joy from that, and, and also great humility when that occurs as well. And of course, a child is very humble because the child will feel all its emotions. It won't put up any barriers or beliefs to feeling its emotions. It will feel something in the moment, and then it will release it, and then it's done, and then it's happy, and it's playing again. But adults kind of... Um, take a little bit longer sometimes in being able to um, feel and release their emotions. My guest today is Padma Aeon, and he is the author of Dimensions of Love, Seven Steps to God. As you read through this book, it is separated into paragraphs, and each one can be its own meditation to really contemplate and soak into your soul. He goes through ten spirit body blocks, different ways that you are blocked through your own spirit, along with different qualities of the divine spirit body. The mind dissolves when one becomes closer to God. Brilliance of mind and genius are marks of having a highly developed spirit body, but not necessarily necessarily soul. If both are combined, a powerful creative synergy that can transform into love can birth. The spirit body is highly organized and coherent when healed and consists of a series of fluid geometric structures unfolding in harmony. This is from Dimensions of Love, Seven Steps to God by Padma Aeon, and you can find out more at PadmaAeon.com, P-A-D-M-A-A-O-N.com. We'll be right back with Padma. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Seek greater awareness. 
Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444. People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today. www.1111mag.com. 1111 Magazine is a bi monthly print publication that offers a rich, multi sensory experience. As you engage with experts and topics of consciousness, become enlightened, empowered, and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, discovering the heart, and stepping into conscious living. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. The 7th Wave Channel on The Voice America Network. You are listening to 1111 Talk Radio. If you'd like to join today's discussion, please call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5795. Again, 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email to info at believesc.com. Now back to 1111 Talk Radio with Simran Singh. My guest today is Padma Ann. We've had a beautiful conversation about love and the distortions of love. It's an opportunity for you to really get radically honest in your own life and start to step into a more authentic expression so that you move through the five levels of love and you reach closer and closer to the place of divine love in your asking, in your calling forward, and in your allowing. As you receive that in your own life, I'd like to mention that Padma Aeon has a seven-month intensive, a course that goes into great depth of all of these teachings that you can find out about on his website. That's PadmaAeon.com. And the name of the book is Dimensions of Love. Seven Steps to God. So we have one segment left, and I want to make sure that we cover exactly what it is that you most want to share in regard to this book. There's so much in here. There's so many beautiful paragraphs of information that it just fills my heart to read it when I read different things because they resonate so deeply. Padma, I'd like you to go ahead and speak to whatever it is that you would like to continue to share in regard to this book so that people really feel you. One of the key one of the keys in this book is is about the seven steps or the seven spheres of love, and each of these spheres um, increase in size as we progress through it. So it's like a ladder that we move in through our soul's evolution. The more loving we become, the higher the sphere that we move into. And these spheres have been talked about in the Sufi tradition and in the Christ the Christ lineage for at least 2,000 years, if not longer. And these spheres are the steps that we take each and every day when we choose love or when we choose truth or when we choose both because love and truth are the same thing. So in each day, we can make a movement from the first sphere into the second sphere and so on and so forth. At the moment, humanity is in the first sphere, which is governed by fear. The second sphere is when we may still have fears, but we are in charge of it, and we can see it, and we can move through it. The third sphere, which for me is really the beginning of the soul's journey, 
is when there is no more fear left in the, the gross sense of fear. And that's when we become soul-based beings the way that God created us to be. But this is a vital step. And at the moment, humanity is just in the first sphere where we're, the bulk of humanity, over 98% of human beings, are governed by fear, basic fears of survival, the basic fears of being unwilling or unable to look into themselves and break out of the bubble of the matrix. And so this book, The Dimensions of Love, goes into great depth and detail about the spheres and charts the progress of the soul as opposed to the mind. So the soul is based on our feelings, not our emotions. So our emotions are things like anger, sadness, betrayal, fear, and so on. Feelings are a totally different kingdom. Feelings are based in love and based in a pure soul, the gratitude, appreciation, love, joy, bliss. These are feelings, not emotions. So we come to live permanently in our feeling soul-inspired nature from the third sphere onwards. And this should really, I feel, in my little opinion, um, that it's from this point that humanity and our world can change into a new civilization or a civilization that's based on the values of love and truth. Before that, it's very hard to because we're still being governed by fear and all its attendant emotions and beliefs and thought forms that are running the world matrix today. So really, you know, when we get to the third sphere is when life completely changes for us because we are living in a stream of love and of joy and of presence. We are present to every emotion that's happening with us. It doesn't mean we, we don't have emotions. It means that we're totally present to them and can release them very fast. It's like, for example, when we're in the first two spheres, it's like we're evolving with a bicycle. But when we're in a third sphere, we're evolving on the bullet train. We're traveling at 200 miles an hour straight down the highway and nothing can stop us. We are immovable, we're, immortal, we're going towards immortality because love is of the basis of our reality and that love is based in truth. And so Dimensions of Love really goes into great detail in all the spheres and the higher spheres to the fourth sphere, the fifth sphere, the sixth sphere, which most people call soul realization or enlightenment as a sixth sphere state. And then beyond that, most people think enlightenment is all there is, but on the divine love path, there is two more spheres, and that leads to union with God, which is what Rumi demonstrated, which is what Christ Yeshua demonstrated, St. Francis of Assisi, Kabir, and many, many others, thousands of other great masters and great love-soaked souls who have shown us that way, which is beyond self-realization or enlightenment. And so in this book, we make, a, we make a very clear distinction between the two pathways of just becoming self-realized and then becoming at one with God or at one with the mother or at one with the father, God. And so Dimensions of Love really um, gives us this very tangible and very practical map which allows us to really see where we are, first of all, which is perhaps the most important thing that we can ascertain and discern where we are on this road, this royal road of love. And also, we have 
we have been given the tools in this book and in the online course to be able to move through um, the different spheres as well, dependent on our holy desire. And one of the things connected with that is that I only work for free now because um, I feel like love cannot can never be charged for. To me, that's a, an error on my part that I ever did actually charge anything. But now everything I do is free because I know that God's love is free and I receive it all the time, every day. And so how mm. can I charge for that? It seems absolutely ridiculous. Mm, that is powerful. That is truly, truly powerful. That just one statement alone, everyone needs to listen to a thousand times. <laughs> Faith comes with the receiving and experiencing of divine love and allows an ever-deepening transformation and trust to rule your life. It is a quality of the soul and the soul alone. It exists in and of the soul. The mind can be subject to it and carry out its wishes, but it is only the soul that can feel, receive, and deepen into it. The more divine love you receive, the more faith you will have, and this faith enables your soul to see God in all her beauty and love. This is from the book Dimensions of Love, Seven Steps to God by Padma Aeon. Again, I invite you to explore his website, PadmaAeon.com, P-A-D-M-A-A-O-N.com, and to also sign up for his seven-month intensive, which goes into greater depth of this book and all of the information that he has been discussing. It is an opportunity for you to truly transcend the wombships and the distortions of love that you may have been living with and step more fully into the ladder of divine love, the steps to God that you have been seeking. Again, that website is PadmaAon.com. I'd like to mention that my new book releases this week as well. It is Your Journey to Enlightenment, 12 Guiding Principles of Love, Courage, and Commitment. So definitely pick up your copy. And if you haven't read my first book, Conversations with the Universe, allow yourself to be guided with the signs, symbols, and synchronicities that show up for you. My guest next week will be Alex Jones, and we're speaking about Seven Mansions of Love in, and the Seven Mansions of Color. So definitely tune in for that episode as well. Padma, it's been a joy and a pleasure to have you on 1111 Talk Radio. Thank you for your beautiful work in the world. It has been such a beautiful time in conversation. I am Sinran Singh. Until next week, be well. Thank you for stepping into the doorway of conscious choice with 1111 Talk Radio. Please join host Simran Singh again next Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time for another enlightening edition here on the 7th Wave Network. Remember, shift happens. We'll be right back.